Welcome to the How We Treat Colon and Rectal Cancer podcast, presented by the Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Dana-Farber in Boston. Join us as we review some of the more complicated colon and rectal cancer cases and discuss the treatment decisions with leading medical experts in the colorectal cancer field. This morning with uh, Leslie Lee, who's going to talk to us about radiology. So, Leslie, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been at the Brigham, and where you came from. Thanks, Ron. What a wonderful pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Leslie Lee. I'm a staff radiologist here at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. I uh, got my medical degree at Columbia University in New York City, and uh, in the time since then, I was been a resident and then fellow in radiology at Massachusetts General Hospital. I've been on the uh, radiology staff here at the Brigham since uh, 2015. All abdominal work, all the time, both imaging and intervention. So what we'd like to talk about today, we have this weekly multidisciplinary team clinic where surgeons, radiologists, radiation therapists, and medical oncologists get together and talk about the cases that we are seeing that week. And what's a really critical part is the radiology you and your colleagues have been terrific about interpreting the particularly the rectal cancer imaging and helping us make critical decisions about what to do and in what order. Why don't you give us your thoughts on what for a mid-size to large-size rectal cancer would be the best workup for that patient? And if you can get into some detail, particularly about MRI, because that's, I think, where a lot of the confusion lies. I come to this uh, wearing my hat of uh, the director of abdominal MRI here, and uh, you know the main feature, obviously, with my bias, is that uh, preoperative staging MRI of rectal cancers is uh, is an important diagnostic piece. Uh, in addition to routine uh, CT, chest, abdomen, pelvis screening for distant metastatic disease, uh, rectal uh, protocoled MRI is of, uh, of high importance. And for uh, our protocol, and we see this, uh, you know, in protocols from uh, around the uh, the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, best practices are start off with uh, wide field pelvic imaging, typically in the sagittal plane, uh, followed by a small field of view, uh, axial T2 and uh, T1 pre and post contrast plus diffusion weighted imaging. And all those things in in tandem help make up the full story of uh, a patient's uh, rectal cancer and disease and uh, help make decisions for uh, surgical planning and possibly uh, neoadjuvant treatment. And within those, among the things that we uh, do within the rectal mass protocol here at the Brigham is we have uh, the exams planes prescribed in real time. And what that means is no matter where in our network of MRIs uh, a patient is being scanned, the images uh, from the large field of view sagittal images are sent to our reading room while the patient is in, in the scanner being scanned. And a radiologist is called right, to ask about a plain prescription. And what that means is that a radiologist looks at the sagittal images and uh, prescribes a plane to optimally assess a, a down-the-bore look based on these planning images of where the patient's tumor is 
so that the obtained images are subsequently obliqued to uh, cross-cut the, the tumor so that it's in, in circumferential profile. Right? You can imagine uh, straight planes, we, we call them straight, straight planes, so to speak, are still scanned as a routine, but we uh, augment those with these oblique axial and coronal images uh, to help with our interpretation. Yeah, it seems when we look at them and you interpret them, it has helped us surgeons look at threatened margins in, in particular. The other thing that's always a discussion at our meetings is whether a lymph node is positive, negative, inflamed, and so on. What is the the sort of the Brigham's approach to the to the enlarged lymph node, or whether a lymph node is positive or negative? Yeah. So the our approach to uh, to lymph node assessment has been that we use uh, both morphologic and size criteria. The data has supported our use of a 8-millimeter threshold uh, in the short-axis dim uh, dimension, uh, augmented by, as I said, uh, morphologic abnormalities of lymph node. Me, personally, I don't put so much weight into the idea of this uh, rounded versus oval uh, lymph node, but uh, you know, being that morphologic characteristics of a lymph node may be more subjective and varied, I'll try to put a, my finger on what I think are abnormal-looking lymph nodes. Abnormal-looking lymph nodes typically have the same uh, T2 and T1 characteristics as are featured in, in the index tumor. Whatever the index tumor's signature characteristic are, I would assess those primarily and then assess whether or not the neighboring lymph nodes share those same. And if I find them to be very more similar than different, then I would be inclined, even if it were a sub-sized th threshold uh, lymph node, to, uh, to, to invoke morphologic criteria for a lymph node to be abnormal. And I would say most of the time I lean on the uh, T2 quality. Uh, if it's sort of this heterogeneous uh, or a speckled uh, T2 characteristic, uh, that would be one texture of T2 lymph node appearance that would raise suspicion. Mm -hmm. You know, I recently came from uh, the radius Radiological Society of North America's annual meeting at Chicago. In radiology circles, there's a lot of interest and enthusiasm in science being shown around artificial intelligence. And, you know, it may be in the future that uh, the radiologist's interpretation is further augmented by a real-time computer analysis of patterns of, uh, of things that perhaps may be even imperceptible to the, to the human eye. And some radiologists have said that the presence of a lymph node is less of a importance than perhaps a vascular invasion or other features. Is If you were to rank sort of the bad prognostic features with bad being one and, and then go into sort of things that are less um, um, critical for the patient, what, what, what would you put first, second, and third? I would say still for me, the lymph node uh, is the most tried and true physiologic and pathologic assessment of uh, tumor characteristic. Uh, and yes, it's been shown previously of uh, other bad radiologic signs and associations, chief among them being um, vascular and invasive disease by either lymphadenopathy, direct extension, or soft tissue nodules in the, uh, in the mesorectal fat and fascia. And going back to what we're talking about, about the importance of rectal MRI in the staging of rectal cancer, Certainly, we've seen that the role to play in terms of the circumferential resection margin, which is the distance 
uh, from the closest adjacent edge of tumor to the uh, circumferentially adjacent mesorectal fascia that has been also shown to be a strong prognostic factor in uh, how a patient fares uh, in the course of their treatment. Yeah, it's interesting in that last point, we were sort of changing, particularly with upper rectal cancers, the, the paradigm in that if it's minimally invasive T3 with a very wide margin between the tumor and the mesorectal fascia, the radiation therapists are beginning to say, well, maybe that just is be treated like a, a T2 and uh, take it out as the only therapy. One last question on, on the sort of the details of workup. When is ultrasound used, uh, endorectal ultrasound? Uh, we have one in our clinic here, which we use more for benign disease, uh, and then there's a couple of our gastroenterologists who are very skilled at it. I find that it's useful really when there's a small distal rectal cancer. What are your thoughts on when to add endorectal ultrasound? You know, endorectal ultrasound is, in my mind, primarily an operator-dependent type of modality. And so its use uh, is coupled to, uh, to the experience and, and the focus of, of the operator. In our radiology practice here, the radiologists don't do the endorectal ultrasounds, and uh, we mainly rely on... Uh, on rectal MRI for our assessments. Well, we're going to switch gears a bit. I want to tell you a story. Uh, we're part of the Partners Network, and so that includes us, Mass General, Newton Wellesley, Faulkner, North Shore. And patients in the Boston area sometimes will have some of their work up at one institution and go to another for their care. There was a man, early 40s, rectal bleeding, was found to have about a four centimeter mid-rectal cancer and got an MRI at Newton-Wellesley, which was, I was told, of technical good quality, but then got a consult at Newton-Wellesley, a consult at Mass General, and a consult here in the Brigham, and the same MRI was interpreted three different ways, uh, from basically an equivocal reading of, of, of I'm not sure to a stage one up to a stage three. We had to kind of alter our therapy because we really didn't have consensus among the preoperative imaging faculty on, on what this cancer was. I just want to let you know that it turned out the Brigham people were correct. And so it's led to, uh, and I think this is a great thing, a standardization of imaging and imaging technique across partners. And you've been a, a big part of that for the rectal cancer. Why don't you talk about that initiative? Yeah, so, you know, Ron, it was really uh, fantastic that we get this chance to work together, you know, and it's a, a sign of the times, right? You know, the Partners 2.0 initiative is meant to, uh, to deepen, you know, the bonds that unite us. And among them, I want to put this into context of larger mission within radiology, which is that, uh, you know, MGH and Brigham Radiology Departments are moving to one single imaging platform in mid-2019, and that's been announced and widely anticipated, and with that, our departments have been uh, tasked unifying our imaging protocols and uh, and and templates for interpretation. More specific to rectal cancer care, uh, myself and my counterpart at Mass General 
Kashkari Singhani. We've been uh, working to unify the imaging protocols for rectal MRI, and we've done that. We're soon to be uh, submitting that to, uh, to the IT um, departments uh, for implementation across the, 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 the network. And this is a, a, a large uh, scale effort. And I emphasize the scale of this because I'm gonna give you a scope of the, the work that's involved here. Within the Brigham network, uh, we manage uh, 17 different MRI scanners at, um, across our sites. And that number at MGH itself is uh, also in the 17 to 20 plus range. And for all our scanners and departments to be working on the same page, you know, that's, that's the scale of the operation that we're uh, trying to, to unite. And that's just for the imaging protocol, right? Next step is to work on the uh, templates for reporting. And then beyond that, also the uh, methodology of interpretation. And we, you know, we are uh, working within our reporting system to uh, implement something that we've not seen before in terms of how we uh, standardize our interpretations. And again, as I said, after we have the uh, templates will be reorientation for our, re our radiology part departments as to, as to how uh, we, and I say we, you know, across the network will be interpreting rectal MRI. It's interesting when you try to standardize through institutions where both the institutions and the individual radiologists are very proud. Has there been any pushback uh, yet, or do you anticipate any, or has there been a enthusiastic sort of uh, engagement by everyone? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a joke among radiologists that uh, radiology, first and foremost, is a, is a humbling practice. Right? And I would say uh, radiologists are always eager to, uh, to, to learn and, and to share, and the opportunity to, to do this is, you know, is definitely what unites us with, uh, you know, yes, we are, we are proud of, of our uh, expertise and, and the skills that we've uh, learned and refined and honed over the years and always looking for, for more and the ability definitely to, to be part of something greater than ourselves, to, to work with our colleagues, to work with our colleagues, not just within uh, our own department, but across specialties, yourself, you know, the radiation oncologists, the, uh, the, the medical oncologists, uh, that is something that's invigorating and um, and, and I, is is really exciting as we think about what's happening in 2019. So, what's the future? We've I think we have excellent imaging compared to a decade ago, two decades ago. I remember doing the first local excision trial, CLGB8984, the first one in the United States, and we just relied on CT. Uh, the new one from American College did use MRI and ultrasound. Um, but, you know, we know the field is not staying still. What is the next step in getting precise and accurate imaging, particularly for the uh, rectal cancer patient? You know, Ron, I think this is a really exciting time for rectal cancer care and imaging. We've talked a lot just now about uh, programmatic and enterprise-wide implementations and uh, and challenges and problem solving uh, within the technology itself you know as I said I just came back from RSNA uh, so much going on in terms of artificial intelligence and the ability to for computer systems to perceive things that are imperceptible to the human eye 
to use machine learning algorithms uh, to detect patterns of association and uncover new and different prognostic uh, factors potentially uh, and possibly predictive factors based on existing data and uh, similar circumstances of archived data. And that's, uh, we imaging itself, the direct imaging technology has taken us to the edge of reality. Now, if you think about what radiologists do is to recreate a 3D reconstruction of a person's anatomy and pathology uh, non-invasively. Right? And we've reached the boundary of reliably detecting that uh, on a test and repeatable test um, dimension. The next frontier is uh, to uncover things that aren't seen um, but can be uh, reproduced in, in patterns of disease shown historically and in other patients with similar types of disease. Well, that sounds wonderful. Uh, we look forward to it. We're so thrilled that uh, you and others in the department are always on the cutting edge of this, and uh, we look forward to helping you if there are trials and, and putting things together. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Ron. Thank you.